Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. dive into a story today. Um, it's found in Luke chapter 7, and I just want to get into this, into this story so you can grab a hold of Jesus' heart, and you can see how he was so intentional about allowing people to feel like no matter what your past was, no matter what your, your past experiences have been, no matter what you've done or haven't done, you deserve to have a fresh start, new beginning. You deserve to be forgiven. You deserve to not to be walking around without feeling guilt or shame. And so the story is found in chapter seven. And this story is, it starts about, you know, a little over 2000 years ago and how Jesus, you know, was walking around on earth. And it, basically what he was doing was he was making a statement saying he was God in the flesh. And so sure enough, there was a group of people that were like, no, man, like, you're definitely not God in the flesh. And he's like, no, yes, I am. And they're like, well, listen, we had a different visual of how God was going to come in the flesh, and you're not it. And so this was ultimately, you know, him walking around from town to town, village to village, sharing the message of who he was and what he was about. So he didn't look the part. He didn't look the part. And as you can imagine, there were certain people that were called Pharisees in the Bible that definitely looked the part, that definitely were walked around as like, hey, I am powerful. I am educated. I am above and beyond the norm. I made it through, you know, education. I arrived. I have something to share. I have wisdom. I have insight. And so they looked, they looked the part. You notice none of them are wearing a cap. Nobody's in jeans. Nobody's just in a, you know, in a regular sweater, right? And so it, there was a difference. There was a difference in their presentation. And so there's a story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and it says this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, here, let, me, let me just explain what's happening here because obviously this is over 2,000 years ago. So one of the Pharisees is having a party. He's having a party, and he invited Jesus. Like, hey, I'm having a party. Uh, Other Pharisees are going to come together. We hear you're an up-and-coming guy. Why don't you come and have dinner with us and and join us? Well, well, these parties were nowhere near like the parties that you and I think. Like, if I I invite you to a party, you're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. You're going to have music. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have a cool band. We're going to have food. We're going to laugh. We're going to play games. It's going to be fun. These parties were not fun. They're absolutely boring. Like what they were is ultimately they would, you know, these Pharisees would gather up and they would kind of put themselves on a platform and then other people in the, in the community would come and kind of stand and sit around them and they would listen to their conversations. So a party to them was a conversation. Let's come around, let's have a conversation about politics, about religion, about salvation, about sin, about all the greatest topics of your guys' parties, right? And so what, what, what ultimately happened was people would come and gather and they would listen to these conversations. Now, let's think about this. There wasn't any entertainment back then. You know, even the angels didn't exist. The Anaheim angels still didn't exist. You know, nobody really paid attention to the Dodgers, so nobody cared. And so there just wasn't, there just wasn't 
wasn't much entertainment. This was the entertainment. Like, oh, the Pharisees are getting together. They're going to have some conversations. I wonder what they're going to argue about. I wonder what they're going to debate about. That was the entertainment back in those days. So Jesus was, was invited to this. Now, not everybody was invited to these parties, right? Like, you've had parties, and there's times where you invite people, and you're like, yeah, 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 oh, no, 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 not that one. Yeah, oh, no, 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 not that, right? So not everybody was invited to this party. Um, you had to, like, be good enough, right? You had to be, you had to have a status quo in order to be invited to this party or to go to this party or just to hear this party. So Jesus was there in verse 37. Here we go. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, let me just pause here and let me just kind of paint the picture of what's happening here. So the Bible's being very nice and the Bible's using very soft words and saying, hey, a certain immoral woman heard that Jesus was going to be there. And so then she heard, had heard the message of Jesus and so she wanted to go and see Jesus. Now, immoral really meant like this woman has lived, has been living a very physical life. Um, some would call that, that career um, prostitution. You know, some would call that career, like some would call that person a hooker, and she had been called those things. And so this was a life that, unfortunately, she had got caught up on. Now, we all know, like, okay, there's, we've all been a part of career day. And when, you know, when, when, when the teacher asks, like, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, you know, you hear people like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be own a business. I guarantee, I promise you, she didn't be like, I want to be a hooker. I, when I grow up, I want to have my own pimp. I want to be making big money. Like, I, I promise you that wasn't what she was seeking out to do when, you know, when she was growing up. I, unfortunately, somehow, some ways, in some shape or form, she ended up with this career. She ended up with this lifestyle. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say how she ended up there, right? It doesn't say this is what led her there. But if I had to guess and we're just having a conversation, I'm sure, you know, there's probably several different um, examples or several different ways that she probably ended up in this path or in this journey. Uh, maybe she had a dad that was absent from her life and then just ultimately, you know, just was no one there was to give her direction or to give her insight or like watch over her, take care of her, and say, hey, stay away from that guy. Oh, no, that guy, actually, he's got his act together. Pay attention to him. Uh, maybe there was nobody in her life, and she started dating some older guy, and then this older guy possibly just took advantage of her and just told her this is the only way that she was going to be loved. And then, you know, ultimately, one bad choice after another, she ended up in a path that she never really sought out to be, you know, sought out to be in. Or, or maybe, maybe um, she was in a really sad story where maybe she did have a dad, and the dad was twisted, and dad took advantage of her sexually, and then now she just had to deal with, like, wait a minute, this person's supposed to be loving and taking care of me, but yet he's hurting me and physically and sexually abusing me. Like, I don't understand that, and now she's confused, and now she's trying to find safety, now she's trying to find comfort, now she's trying to find love, and then now she's down a path that she never thought she'd be in. Or, or, once, or maybe, maybe it's neither one of those. Maybe her parents died when she was young. She was 15, 16 years old, and her parents are now absent from her life, and she has a younger brother and younger sister who she has to take care of, and she doesn't know how to provide for them. And so the only option that she had was to sell her body for money. 
And then now she's down a path where she's having to provide for her kid, for her siblings, and not wanting to be down this road. I, I don't know. I don't know what path led her there, but I do know that she never wanted to be there. That in career day, it wasn't like, this is the career I want to have. This is the life I want to have. So I, what I, and when I read the scripture, I could see that there was desperation in her heart. I could see that there was a hunger for change. I could see that she no longer wanted to live that lifestyle, but she didn't know how to get out of it. Then she heard about this Jesus guy who was sharing a message that was impactful, that was encouraging, that was life-changing. And then all of a sudden, she hears about this Jesus who was supposedly now a God in the flesh that would forgive people and that would make people feel loved and that would make people feel wanted and that would make people uh, give people an opportunity to have a fresh start and a new beginning. And then this is it. Verse 38, she hears about him, she sees him, and here in her brokenness and in her shame and in her guilt, she fall. And verse 38 says, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So obviously she's in a moment of like, oh my gosh, this is the one I've been hearing about. The one who can make something different for my life. The one that can, that can make a change in my heart. The one that can help me to be free from this lifestyle that I never, ever wanted to be in. Now, remember, they're at a party. And there's a bunch of people there that really think they're better than others. And they're wearing this uniform that makes them stand out, right? And then all of a sudden, they realize that, hey, there's this lady here that is not invited. Why is she here? No one invited this girl. There's no way she would be able to be at this party. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, He said to himself, this is him thinking inside of his head. He's not saying it out loud. He's being judgmental in his head. I know none of us have any experience with that. But some judgmental people, they think in their head like, oh my gosh, they think bad things about people, right? And so he said said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. This is all happening in his head. Didn't say it out loud. Jesus, being God doesn't need to hear you physically say it. He can actually read your mind and hear your thoughts. Verse 40 through 48, Jesus decides to show his power here. Jesus decides to show his his God power here to say, hey, I can hear you. I know you didn't say it, but I can hear you. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Okay, it says, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And this... Simon's like, yeah, I didn't say anything. Go right ahead. I'm safe. And he says, then Jesus, told, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. So let's just say to one guy, he let him borrow $500,000. The other guy, he let him borrow $500, right? And then he says, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And so Simon's just like sitting here like, okay, one guy, $500,000 debt. The other guy, $500 debt. This is easy, Simon answered. I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt to. And Jesus says, that's right. That is the right answer. The guy with the larger debt felt more appreciation, more gratitude. So you are correct. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. 
When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the, the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Then he says this to her. I tell you her sins, and they are many. I love the emphasis on this, because then he says, like, I know there is a lot of them in there. You ever have that friend of your life, like, hey, man, this guy, oh, my goodness. I know, I know she has sins, and I know there's a lot of them in there. Have been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who has been forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. A woman who felt shame, a woman who felt guilt, a woman who was down a path that she never asked for but couldn't figure out how to get out of, a woman who took the bravery to walk through a crowd while people were whispering about her and thinking evil thoughts about her, put herself out there, walked up to Jesus, knelt before him, and Jesus forgave all, all of her sins, everything, even before the lifestyle. Everything she'd ever done, she was given a fresh start and a new beginning. She had been given the opportunity to... to, to be erased from everything she's ever done. And because of the greatest message that God had ever shared, because she had heard the message of hope, and in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, this was the message that Jesus went around from town to town sharing. He said, then Jesus said, come to me. Anyone, anyone come to me. Does it matter who you are, what nationality you have, what experiences you have, what experiences you don't have, what education you have, what education you don't have, what decisions you've made that you're happy about, what decisions you've made that you're not happy about, what things you regret, what things you don't regret. It doesn't matter what your story is. Doesn't matter who thinks what about you. Jesus' message was come. Come to me, all of you. All of you who want a fresh start, all of you who want forgiveness, all of you who are looking for a new beginning, all of you who are looking to be freed from whatever's been holding on to, whatever keeps you at night, whatever you've been wondering about why that person has treated you the way they treated you, whatever, uh, whatever you've been tied to or bonded to, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I will allow you to breathe. I will give you peace so you can sleep at night. I will allow you to walk around and not feel shame and not feel guilt regardless, regardless of your story. And this was the message that was captivating to her. This was why she put herself out there and walked through a crowd and allowed people to whisper about her and judge her and came to the feet of Jesus because she was so hungry for wanting to be set free. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice something here. And this is like the aha moment to like help us all understand how to view others. Pointing out the woman's sin didn't lead her out of sin. She had been told, hey, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is sin. She'd been told that. She knew that she knew that it wasn't right. And people had told her that. 
But that never was the motivating factor or the change in her heart to get out of that lifestyle. Judging her lifestyle didn't change her lifestyle. Shaming her for what she did didn't set her free from her pain. What was it that ultimately created the life change for her? An invitation to the Son of God and allowing Christ to change her heart. That was a motivating factor. That was the change and the freedom she needed to change her lifestyle. And so I just, you know, as I think about these stories and I look at the life of Christ and I think about South Hills Church and I think about where God is now leading and directing and what, you know, what role he has put me in, like, I think about this story because this is really what South Hills is about. And this is what South Hills will continue to be about for the rest of my life, for sure. Because I don't ever, ever, ever want anyone to be like that friend of mine in high school that walks into the doors and then she's treated like this woman in the Bible. I've always wanted to be a part of a place where people can come in regardless of their story and feel loved, feel wanted, feel welcome, and allow God to speak to their heart and let the Holy Spirit talk to them. It's not my role or anyone's role to be the Holy Spirit. That's the role of God to speak into people's heart. Our role is to love. Our role is to come alongside people and let people know it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. There's a God who created you and loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, even though you think you don't deserve it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would love to just speak into your heart right now and I would love to just pray for you, pray for you because I don't know, I don't know where you are in your journey, in your relationship with God. I don't know um, what God is speaking to your heart. I don't know what God has in store for you next. But what I do know is this. I do know that there is a God who created your life, who gave you life, gave you gifts, gave you talents, gave you abilities so that you can live a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life where you would have a connection to God and have a connection to others. And so as you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to pray. If you've ever felt shamed, there's a God who wants to forgive you so you don't have to feel the shame. If you've ever felt judged, Jesus would love to forgive you so you don't feel judged. If you've ever felt guilty, God would love to free you from your guilt. If you've ever felt trapped, God would love for you and nothing more for you to be walking around not feeling trapped. And if you're anything like me and you felt like you've needed forgiveness and sometimes I need it more on some days more than others, especially baseball days, We say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you have grace beyond the ability of us committing sins, committing mistakes. Thank you that your love runs so deep that we can't even fathom and understand the depth of your love. Lord, I ask you to speak into our hearts. Help us to grab a hold of your message. Help us to understand that you're a God of love, not a God of judgment. Help us to understand that you are a God who wants to be in connection and community and relationship with us. 
and not pointing out all of our sins, not pointing out all of our faults, not pointing out all of our shame. Help us to accept your freedom, to accept your love and accept your forgiveness. We say these things in your name. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Moses for that message? Um, we, uh, it's was, it was about, um, well, let me start here. Uh, do you know what the worst part about religious people is? Don't answer. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> You know, one of the things that I've started to realize over time is that the more religious we come, and I mean that in a way where we focus on the who's in and the who's out, is that uh, the only way that we can feel good and religious is by looking at others and seeing how they are not good or not religious. It's always a measuring thing. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago here on a Sunday as well. And, and it's interesting for me because I, I feel like even for us as a church, as, for us as a community of people that really don't view ourselves as perfect, we don't view ourselves as having, having it all together, we still kind of look at others and, and sometimes we judge them and then sometimes we just judge what they want and what they don't want or how they would respond or wouldn't respond um, instead of recognizing that we have found something in Jesus. We've found a hope or purpose or healing or a sense of community or relationships um, and, and recognizing that that's something that we are all craving and longing for. Uh, it was actually almost five years ago exactly. It was before this campus started. We were meeting in a garage on the west side of Costa Mesa. For about uh, six or seven weeks in a row, we met on Sunday nights with a group of about 20 people, uh, dreaming and talking about what kind of church this would be in Costa Mesa. And on the last week of, of those gatherings, before we launched and had our grand opening, um, I, I had a chair and we gave out these little name tag stickers. And I said, now that we have dreamed about this church and what type of church this could look like, who would you want to invite to be a part of this? And inviting someone is scary because sometimes we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. There's, there's all these fears that can kind of run through our minds. But, but recognizing that there's something that we value, that we've experienced, that we have felt in our hearts and our families and our relationships um, that we would want to invite other people to. Um, some pictures from that night on the left, uh, some people in that core group uh, putting those name tags on that chair. Uh, a lot of those people, all those people actually are still a part of our church. And then the picture on the right is the chair when we were done with it, uh, name tags all over it. And a lot of those name tags are a part of our church, the, the names on that chair. Uh, and it is uh, always an incredible thing when we recognize the power of inviting someone to experience God's love. It's not to experience my goodness or that I have all the answers or that you have it all figured out. It's to experience a place where we can say, I don't have it all figured out, but we can still tap into, we can experience the power of God in our lives. And so today, well, we've been in this series for the last few weeks called All Together Now. And each week we've had an opportunity all together, hence the name, with all of our other South Hills campuses to take a step, put some sort of action to these things. And so today, the step that I want us to take is you guys on your seats, you have this little stack of, of paper and a marker. Um, you may have one around you. And uh, we, we broke out the name tags again, five years later. 
And I know that there's people in your life, and, and some of those people might be uh, Christians, uh, and they may just not have a church home. Some of those people may be friends, family members, neighbors that you know that are hurting or struggling or, or looking for community. Uh, it, it could be a, a, your favorite coffee shop employee. It, it could be anybody. But I want us to take a few seconds to, to just simply ask God to put a name or two names in our mind, and I want us to write the name down on this uh, name tag. And in a few minutes, we're gonna put it over on that wall. You guys already see there's a bunch of name tags up there from first service and from some of our staff members. And, and we wanna be intentional about taking this step together. So let's just take five, 10 seconds. You may already have a name or two in your mind of who you wanna invite. Maybe it's someone you've been inviting and you wanna continue that extended uh, invitation. But just take a second and consider who that might be and write that name down on that sticker in this moment. Part of um, taking this step is not judging how someone will respond. It's releasing control of another person's response to an invitation. And it's always scary to release control. As you guys finish writing those names down there, I want to give you two just simple ways to invite people. Sometimes it's hard to invite them to church. That might not be their thing. Um, but as a church, we try and do as many things as possible to uh, create opportunities for people to come. A week from today is something called Teacher Appreciation Sunday. We do this every year. It's a way for us to honor and celebrate the heroes in our communities, whether those are teachers, principals, counselors, coaches. Um, they are worth celebrating, uh, and I think maybe now more than ever. That's a week from today. And so you'll find these bookmarks floating around campus. It's a bookmark invitation. Uh, all of the kids and our kids' programs are getting these to be able to take them to their teachers, but I know you know teachers, you have teacher friends, and we want you to be able to extend an invite to them. So you can grab one of these. It's a really easy way to invite them. Uh, we give away awesome gift bags to every teacher that comes. And so even if they just want some free stuff and a gift card, uh, that's okay. That's a reason to come. The second thing is these orange cards on your seats. Uh, these are invite cards to family month. Every October for the last 20 years, South Hills has done something called family month because we all have a family. I know, it may come as a surprise. Uh, and uh, some of those families are incredible and in everything we imagined, and some of those families are challenging. Some of those families are families we were born into. Some are ones we were adopted into or chosen families. But we do a series where we say, hey, what would it look like for us to build health in our relationships with our families? Whether those are, again, chosen or uh, families we were born into. And again, it's just, it's an easy way to invite someone because honestly, um, I don't know that I've ever met someone that didn't want to have a better relationship with their family member. And so these are just two simple ways for you to take that step. Obviously, you can invite them to anything, anything you want. Um, but I want to encourage you guys uh, to take that step together with the folks here at Costa Mesa as well across all of our campuses. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. 
If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.